Welcome to Dice and Mind, a podcast hosted by Brad Brown and Jason Kaufman to explore the intersection of life, games, science, music, philosophy, and creativity through interviews with leading creatives. All are welcome in this space. So interestingly enough, we are, we've always talked about, or we've regularly talked about that we are in the golden age of Trek. Um, we are currently working through this season of Lower Decks. Mm-hmm. Um, the books that are coming out, our friend Jim Johnson turned me on to this idea of 99 cent Trek books, Bantam books that you can get every month, different sets of books. Oh. My Kindle, thank you, Jim, is <laughs> very quickly filling up. Um, but also, we are obviously in the midst of yes. uh, watching Ahsoka. And yes, yes, yes. I will say, you know, I won't give away too many spoilers other than the fact that I think it's pretty well known that Hayden Christensen's comeback as Anakin. Mm-hmm. Um, and just purely in it from a general perspective, I am thrilled by it. Um, I think he got kind of a raw deal in the prequels. Maybe he was a little wooden in these areas, but um, he kind of played on being kind of an immature yeah. Jedi, which is ultimately what it was and what we're seeing on ahsoka i mean just the idea of them bringing over this material this is the anakin everyone wanted i mean you can't blame him though i mean sand between your toes can make one irritable well yeah and let's be honest it's 20 you know it 20 2005 so it's almost 20 years just a little shy of 20 years Um, from when you know that's amazing and obviously he played in Obi-Wan as well. And and mm. I know some people weren't a big fan of it. I loved the series. I loved how Hayden played Vader. Um, but that being said, I don't want to turn that we, we could we'll uh, have an episode. Well, to no, talk I about mean that. I though I I mean let's let's talk about this for a sec. I I thought that I, I didn't love Kenobi. Okay, I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't love the show. I didn't really like so much what they did with the character although there were things like you and i talked about this at the time there were things i very much appreciated but i i think i can absolutely agree that uh hayden christensen's anakin and and then and and vader vader especially um that was just excellent i mean just when he said top notch you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, and yeah. then he he kind of smiles. He goes, "I did." Yeah. I mean, just the yeah. way and the way they. But yeah. what we've been seeing in Ahsoka, without giving away plot, mm-hmm. um, he's really refined that character, um, and you and, can see yeah. the duality of him with it. And and they're writing for him, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, and there are, I mean, no disparagement meant to anyone else, but look again, Lucas was never known for dialogue right that's um but but what the character is being given in ahsoka it's it's really interesting now it's fortuitous and not accidental that you brought up star trek and star wars uh, in the uh, yeah in the same breath because we've we've kind of got a treat today or this evening wherever you are whenever you are listening to this that we're actually going to talk about both with our guests Mm mm-hmm Yes. So um, we we have uh, we I'm I'm having a senior moment stand by. We have Dr. Uh, Amy Sturgis and Dr. Emily Strand, and we're not going to say anything more about them right now because we've got their bios and um, and we're going to have a conversation with them. But mm-hmm. but uh, they are scholars of pop culture, and they both know Trek and star wars yeah exceptionally well and, and in yes. fact several other genres like between harry potter and tolkien it was kind of like i mean we thought we were kind of geeky but but amy and emily they i mean that's something to aspire to and they were they were very courteous and in, oh. in um not you know allowing us to kind of spread our wings amongst all the different yeah yeah all the goodness i'm having a middle-aged moment um all the different franchises (laughs) all these different franchises that have really defined us defined i think in many ways gen x because you figure out that the um the peter jackson lord of the rings series came out 
about 20 years ago when we were in our 30s. Star Wars has been here since we were born. Star Trek has been here since before we were born. Harry Potter, maybe on the cusp, but I really enjoyed the show and I enjoyed reading it. Um, so just being able to, and, and some of the stuff they've been writing, um, you know, material, I just think in, in the stuff that they've been editing, just, just some phenomenal written work that really could enrich you, um, as a fan of both of those franchises. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And 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 we can talk about that. And we talk, did talk about that with them because uh, this, well, I was going to say this past year, but like literally this year, 2023 publication dates, they came out with two separate, although one could argue complementary anthologies on yes. Star Trek and Star Wars, and that's that's how we came to become aware of them. And as you said, Brad, they they were just really gracious with their time and with their nerdery. Uh, I mean, it was really obvious to to both of us that we just scratched the surface of yeah. what they had to say. Dr. Amy Sturgis holds a PhD in intellectual history and specializes in the fields of science fiction fantasy, the Gothic, and indigenous American studies. She serves as faculty at Lenoir Ryan University and Signum University and staff for the Starship Sofa podcast. She lives with her husband, Dr. Larry M. Hall, in the Appalachian Highlands of Virginia, USA. Dr. Emily Strand is an author, podcaster, teacher, speaker, award-winning singer-songwriter, and musician. She holds an MA in theology from the University of Dayton and has taught religion on the college level for nearly 20 years. She has published two books on Catholic sacraments and several peer-reviewed chapters and essays on the religious, symbolic, and spiritual themes in popular fiction, such as Harry Potter and Star Wars. With Dr. Catherine N. McDaniel of Marietta College, she co-hosts Potterversity, a Potter Studies podcast, a show in the MuggleNet family of podcasts. So we just hit the record button, but I think we probably talked about 20 minutes beforehand. That's about right. So it's one of those things where we probably should hit record right away just because we've had a really good conversation. Yeah. So thanks Even for coming before to the episode record. and that's it, right? Yeah. So um, Amy, Emily, thank you for joining us today. We yeah. really appreciate Big it. Big time. Um, thank you for having us. We're, we're excited, excited to talk to you. Definitely. So, you know, here's a softball question. I guess you're kind of fans of Star Trek and Star Wars. <laughs> Um, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So if bit. you don't mind, how did you two connect? Um, even was it through your affinity for the series or was it for something else? Or how did you how did you guys make the connection? Okay. With, with well, each other. I'll... With each other. I yes. Yes, indeed. Um, well, I uh let's see, gosh, going back to yeah, I quit. So I quit my job in 2011 because I had my son and I wanted to just redirect and focus on him for a while. And uh, so I, I, you know, as you do, you spend a lot of time kind of looking for connections when you're home with a little kid and you're kind of like, Aw. so I was loving Harry Potter. I had been loving Harry Potter for a few years, but that was my first foray into speculative speculative fiction. So I got into listening to podcasts about Harry Potter, especially there was a podcast called MuggleNet Academia that I really loved because it was sufficiently nerdy for me. And um, so I, I discovered the Tolkien Professor podcast, which was great, which hosted by Corey Olson. Um, and Corey went on to found what is now Signum University. And um, first it was the Mythgard Institute and, and they began to offer courses on speculative fiction that you could take for master's level credit. And so I thought as a stay-at-home mom with very quiet evenings, um, I thought that sounded pretty good. <laughs> so I started taking classes with Signum and then a Harry Potter focused class was offered. In fact, I don't even think I got the first round of it. I think I was on the second round of you offering and it was being offered by Amy Sturgis. And so I ended up uh, signing up for that very nerdily. I was I was definitely trying to be the Hermione of the group. Little did I know that everybody was the Hermione <laughs> of the group. 
And Amy was our chief Hermione. And so uh, I was just so impressed, not only by the content of the course as Amy presented it, but the way that she presented it, the, her teaching style, especially her online teaching style, and just the openness um, that she had to students kind of collaborating with her as you know, throughout the class, taking lots of comments and dealing with every single one of them. I mean, we, we you know, some of us make such stupid comments and Amy finds a really smart way of dealing with all of them um, in her in her uh, class sessions. And so I was just so impressed. And, um, and we kind of just got to know each other from there. I ended up taking more classes with Amy um, and, and eventually um, this opportunity to edit um, or to propose some books for Vernon Press um, came along and, you know, they had kind of approached me and I said, um, yeah, I'd love to do this, but I definitely knew I didn't want to do it uh, alone. <laughs> so, and I thought, who's my ideal person? I'm going to start there. And so, um, so I, I proposed it to Amy and, and we went forward from there. So Amy, what's your, what's your version of this story? <laughs> I it's, it's one of those beautiful stories of uh, meeting someone in class and, you know, the, the student becomes the colleague, becomes the friend That's situation cool. there. And, and because um, I, we also come at both Star Trek and Star Wars from different perspectives, uh, Emily coming to it with a whole wealth of information and, and background and experience uh, coming to it more recently uh, at a different point. And being able to see things, you know, from a, a very advanced perspective, whereas I grew up with the original Star Trek and the animated series, the original Star Trek and reruns and the animated yeah. series and its original run, which then led me to see Star Wars when I was preschooler. Uh, mm -hmm. And then so so I grew up with with Star Trek and Star Wars essentially being my first schools and wow. having a deep impact on my thought. And so the the glory of getting to collaborate with someone who uh, you admire and, and you work with very well, but also who has very different insights and very different experiences with these texts and a whole different toolbox uh, with which to approach these texts and these these franchises. It's just, uh, it's been a glorious experience. Yeah, I'll just be clear that I took Amy's courses on Star Wars and Star Trek because I was unfamiliar with these franchises. Star Trek was something I'd watched as a kid sometimes, you know, Star Wars I was pretty unfamiliar with and uh, it's definitely created a monster um, in me for, for both of these franchises. Um, but yeah, yeah, everything everything she says is true. And it's, and it's fun because I can go to Amy for that long perspective perspective yeah. on these things and uh and when i say something crazy like hey this reminds us reminds me of this you know i feel like stranger things is pulling on some of these you know elements of you know and it's like wow okay you know um i see a lot of uh of harry potter in in um star wars from the prequels on um and uh and i find that very fascinating um and so yeah it's a, it's a super fun collaboration I mean, I think things like Harry Potter and and Star Wars. Well, Star Wars blatantly, we know this, but a lot of these these tropes, a lot of these major IPs, right? They clearly go back to the hero's journey or some bastardization, to be honest, of the hero's journey, right? And so I think it's it's easy and fun to draw some connections between them because, like at this point, you look at who's doing the work out there in Hollywood, and like everyone doing it seems to have been affected by all of these and so how do they possibly how do they possibly pull that out although i will say emily when you said i was unfamiliar with star trek and star wars it's like yeah you lost me i don't how is that even possible i'm <laughs> i'm glad amy was able to pull you to the light side um man yeah well you know my parents um are a, a little bit older my my parents are great generation um and they didn't do science fiction they did not do speculative fiction they liked the classics they're huge readers i mean we had you know, rooms full of books in my house, but they they were history and historical fiction and all those types of things. They just didn't encourage that sort of thing. Not they didn't prohibit us from doing that. They just didn't have that around. I think Narnia was probably the the edgiest thing I read as a kid. Sure. Um, and uh, so so yeah, it's just kind of a difference in upbringing. And and now it's really funny because I've I've started sewing and costuming, and my mom I I sew on my mom's old machine, and she says she, she's almost eighty six. She goes. Who knew it would be Star Wars that would get you into sewing? And I'm like, me, I knew. I could play that right there. 
you know, she's <laughs> like, but she actually gave me, Amy, you have to hear this. She, for my birthday this year, she got me a Yoda card. I mean, this is huge for her. That's this amazing. is, this is absolutely huge. So <laughs> my heart just grew three sizes right there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, my, my mom was the one that introduced me. So, um, to TOS. So I'm, but I was very young, um, you know, yeah. How have you found, you know, as you were putting these books together, kind of any synergies between, you know, a book focused kind of on writers for Star Wars and then one for Star Trek? Maybe I'm not verbalizing this right because Jason, you're giving me squint. And Actually, I... hold on. Let me let me interject with a quick yeah. a quick interlude here. We should yeah. we should say. I mean, obviously, we'll have this in our show notes, but specifically, and and Amy and Emily. Well, we were talking yeah. about this with Amy right before Emily clicked on, if, well before we were recording, but. What brought you to our attention, honestly, it was the covers of these books. It was, we saw, we because they are gorgeous. We saw the cover, and I don't remember which, I think it was the cover for Star Wars Essays Exploring a Galaxy Far, Far Away. And it was like, that's just gorgeous. And then I saw there was this other post for another book with a similarly gorgeous yeah. cover, Star Trek Essays Exploring the Final Frontier, kind of back to back over what, like they came out a couple months apart or something. Um, yeah. They're these brilliant, beautiful anthologies. Um, and I mean, that's so I think just to put that in there, because not everyone listening is going to know that up front. Um, these are so fascinating. And, and we want to know, like what Brad said, we want to know how, like, what was the process for these? Why did you do this? And also, like, what really, really stood out right away was, other than your lovely forwards for each, uh, or, or your um, intro chapters for each, you have some pretty heavy hitters in, like, really prominent authors. Um, like, I've got on my shelf right here, uh, next to the official Shakespeare collection, I have all of the Shakespeare in star wars right and they are brilliant i mean you you have some really significant people who wrote and introduced these books so to go back sorry to go back to your your point no you've done it much um, better than i have no these are such such interesting kind of comprehensive and robust anthologies and the people you got they come from all these different walks and some really prominent not just scholars but popular writers i mean i mean fascinating what what can you tell us before we dive into the content i'd just like to give a shout out to emily austin whose original watercolor paintings are the covers of these two oh, books we oh invited man. her and she's fantastic Gorgeous. and she talked to us about the the vision for these covers and we are so grateful to her because that you're right that's the first impression people have and we're so glad that she's the forward-facing image of these works yeah neat Absolutely. I'll I'll just start the the uh, explanation by saying this is why I wanted to partner with Amy Sturgis <laughs> to, to do these books. Not only because she's wonderful, knowledgeable, uh, collegial, and everything else, and my my super nerd hero, um, but also because I knew that through her teaching. Um, and her own scholarship that she has made so many wonderful connections. I mean, we had, you know, in our Star Wars course, we had John Jackson Miller come and speak to our class. And I know she's had That's other, cool. um, in the second Star Wars, I actually took her Star Wars course twice. Uh, <laughs> that's how much I loved it. Once I audited it, once for credit. Um, she had Rebecca Roanhorse the second time. Um, I know in our Star Trek class, she had Una McCormick, um, the original number one. Um, <laughs> speak to us and it's so so wonderful in fact i even tuned in on vacation for that one because i was so i and i was so glad that i did um so i knew amy had a lot of connections i i'll i will claim that the ian desher connection hi ian is uh, was was as the result of my involvement with the podcast potterversity so i'm a co-host of potterversity and um our producer yep. lori beckoff Ha was is a fan of Ian Ian's work, and she was on his website, and she noticed that he had had uh, a story about how he had proposed a Hogwarts founders story in Shakespearean English. Um, he had proposed that to Warner Brothers and J.K. Rowling's um, group, and had been politely declined. Um, but uh, we wanted to know, so we did an episode with Ian 
on that idea. Just we wanted to hear more about it. You can listen to that in our Potterversity podcast feed. Um, And Ian was so wonderful. And Ian and I had a lot of things in common. We both come from a background of um, religion and religious studies and also literature. Um, we just every time we interact, we find more that we have in common, and so um, so we we kind of connected. And and then when I we were looking for somebody to write the forward, I was like, okay, <laughs> well, let's try this, <laughs> you know. And he was so gracious, and and I really love um, his forward uh, to the book. So so Amy, you want to say more about all those connections? We've just been so fortunate <laughs> in in the people who were interested in this. So yes, um, my first thought for the Star Trek book um, was Una McCormick, and uh, she's my one of my absolute favorite uh, Star Trek authors. But she's also a great scholar of uh, science fiction, and she's an editor of feminist science fiction imprint now, Gold SF. Um, but uh, we had known each other um, through circles for a very long time. We both started out as fans, and we've also done uh, work um, on the same science fiction author, Lois McMaster-Bujold. We both published uh, scholarship about Lois McMaster-Bujold's work, and so we've known each other for decades, going Mm -hmm. back to our fandom backgrounds, but also because we kept sort of connecting, and I also just continued to fangirl her work. And so uh, she was very kind then and generous to um, to be willing to speak to our class. And then uh, when we, you know, we read her work um, for Star Trek, we read her uh, fantastic work. Um, she's written so many novels mm-hmm. uh, that relate particularly to the Cardassians. And so uh, then uh, that was a natural ask for the yeah. forward to the, the Star Trek book. And I also had a really good fortune to know John Jackson Miller for for a long time. We used to uh, be guest speakers at the same science fiction convention in Memphis together, and we would chat. Uh, So our association goes back decades as well. But also he his work his work spanning comics and novels, his work spanning franchises, his run for Star Trek and Star Wars, his work for Legends era Star Wars and contemporary canon Star Wars. He has so much context uh, for understanding what's going on with tie-in material and, and how storytelling spans all these different media. And I was thrilled. He, originally, this started out, the in, in, uh, invitation to... Emily, which she then kindly expanded to to me as well, was for a book that would be on Star Trek and Star Wars. And fortunately, we got such a remarkable response from scholars and and experts all over the world from very different backgrounds and very different uh, training and disciplines and such. We were able to sell Vernon on the idea that we have not one book, but two. Um, But for John Jackson Miller's work, for example, he had conceived of talking about the relationship between the tie-in material and canon and things like television series and films for both Star Trek and Star Wars. So he was especially generous because he was willing to split that down the middle and write two essays um, from different perspectives showing how the tie-in material evolved um, with those two franchises and having this, this... intimate insider view but also this this long scale view also he's a great scholar of comics and he knows a whole lot about the industry um separately so with that insight he's able to tell these two sometimes complementary and sometimes quite different and contrasting stories about literature and about um comics and about uh, time materials uh one in each. So the, those were sort of the perfect ending notes in both of those mm-hmm. anthologies, because he was willing to tell both of those stories and give us an, an analysis uh, of, of how all of that works. That's just, I, I'm reading one of his books right now. That's just, that's just really cool. Um, so as I'm curious, because of the, like, I look at the scope of what each of these, these texts cover, you know, respectively for the franchises, and who wrote what they're addressing. How did you get your authors? How, I mean, how did you put out that call um, to solicit that much diversity? Because I know from what you said, and I know from what you've, what you've written online, especially Emily, you, you, it sounds like you had many, many more options than ended up, right? You can only 
right? Publishers clearly won't let you just, sure, take a few thousand pages and we'll do it all for you and we'll kill, keep it at a reasonable price. I get that. But but you had such a response. What did you do to solicit that type of response? Oh, I wish I wish we could take a lot of credit for that. I feel like uh, you know, we just had people show up, you know, our call, our call for papers was pretty, um, broad. And, you know, I, I will say sometimes as somebody who's, who looks at calls for papers to, to see if I might want to submit to it, yeah. sometimes they're really specific mm-hmm. and they're too specific. They're, mm-hmm. they specific me out, you know, in yeah. terms of like, it's a little too narrow a, and it just, I can't do what they're asking or, or I just am not interested in doing what they're asking. So mm-hmm. we tried to make it broad. I would have to, I have slept since we wrote that thing, but I, <laughs> I, I remember us wanting to keep it very open-ended so people could choose that aspect of, of Star Wars or Star Trek that they wanted or Star Wars and Star Trek that they wanted yeah. to address. And so that may have helped, but I, I just, people just really showed up. Oh, another person who has some name recognition in the volume is Amy Raquel, who writes a lot of nonfiction books for Star Wars and uh, including the, the new timelines book, which is just, just awesome. a massive, it, she was on the team that wrote that Jeez. just a massive project, a really impressive. And, and, you know, she was just somebody who had taken courses at Signum too and wanted to, you know, wanted to get into academic writing. And it was just a pleasure to walk with her through that, through that journey. Um, and, um, and so I, I just have to say, you know, when I saw, when I saw the the proposal come in for a, an essay on mothers in Star Wars, I just hit the ceiling with excitement because cool. that is so needed. And and I think that the key um, for me was to find those proposals that were really proposing something new yep. and to say something exciting and different about Star Wars. Amy, what what was your angle? I agree with that completely. And I think from the beginning, our goal was to pick the best. Mm-hmm. proposals and then figure out what we were doing after that as opposed to as you said over specifying what we were looking for because we were surprised again and again by these amazing proposals we received and i was also uh, there were two things in the back of my mind one was as someone who's taught undergraduate and graduate classes on on these both both of these franchises yeah. my wish list for finding some kind of balance between people who were using a wide angle lens to look at the franchise as a whole for through across all of these decades, whether it's Star Trek or Star Wars or Star Wars, and those that were using a, a microscope on one small part mm-hmm. that would still unlock all kinds of meaning and all kinds of new insights. And so balancing those approaches and balancing um, the the disciplinary perspectives and and balancing what people were looking at in terms of big scale and and small scale. That was important. And the other is something that we talked about over and over again, and that was accessibility. We wanted this to be excellent scholarship, you know, go through blind peer review, do all the things that would need to do. But we wanted people who loved Star Trek and loved Star Wars to be able to pick it up and understand and not have Mm -hmm. any barrier to entry with jargon or, you know, very specific uh, terminology or approaches. We wanted this to be something that everyone could could, um, appreciate and get something from and find a, a invitation to the dialogue and and, uh, questions that would then draw people in and and make them want to to add their voices to this conversation. And so that was something we were looking at from the very beginning as well when we got all of these um, amazing responses. So again, incredibly fortunate we were. That's cool. I'm glad you said that too, Amy, because I mean, these both came out from an academic press, but they are totally accessible. Right. They anyone who's interested, even those who don't get into either franchise until grad school, they are totally acceptable to 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 see what I did there. They're totally acceptable to do to read these. Right. You can pick these up. You don't have to be a pop culture, you know, wonk. You don't necessarily even have to know much about Trek or Star Wars to read these, enjoy them, appreciate them. That's wonderful to hear. Thank you. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, a, that's a feat, right? I mean, that's that. And that was a goal. Yes. yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And in my background, I've done what what's called catechetical writing uh, about the Catholic faith. It's, it's oh, yeah. Um, yeah, teaching the faith, you know, to the average, you know, person, often educated, but not necessarily in 
in the you know the faith and so that's that's my background of of writing that's the kind of publishing i've done before mm -hmm. and so to me i can i i feel strongly that you know any writing like that you know really should reach you know just because it's got footnotes <laughs> doesn't mean you know and i always tell mm -hmm. people too with the footnotes footnotes themselves ought to be fascinating you know if it's there on the page if it's doing anything more than just giving you the source if there's any words in there at all you know um any prose in there at all it ought to be fa a fascinating follow-up that doesn't quite fit in the you know so i hope even even that is is accessible to to the non-academic um, but interested reader which is which is saying something i i personally i hate footnotes right i uh, and it's just because I've spent an entire career in Wisconsin APA style, right? And and it's Ooh, like when yeah. well, I, I don't go, I, I like, I mean, seventh edition, it's it's better. I mean, it's I yeah. it's, it is what I have. And so you know, sometimes there are endnotes, um, but the footnotes, right? Because it was so rare. But I think, but I I've had that rare experience where you're reading and here's a footnote. It's like, oh yeah, that that's kind of cool. Like it's just that little that little peppering of, and by the way, right? And you're right. glad it's on right. the page. So I, I do think that's cool. I think, yeah. especially if for readers who aren't necessarily familiar with the layout. Mm -hmm. Good, so good to hear. You know, this idea of, and for those that listen who aren't necessarily in the, like myself, who aren't in academia directly in any form, my my connection through it is through meeting people like yourselves and, and knowing Jason. Um, this idea of pop culture and using pop culture as an educational tool. Um, yeah. I remember, I remember seeing this 30 years ago when we did a, I had a history course where we talked about rock and roll. That just seemed way out there to me. Um, were, were we in a class together? No. Okay, history of 1912. So. Yeah. It was Dr. Cole. Yeah. I had um, the same class different hour. Okay. Yeah. So, but this idea, have you seen, obviously I believe we've seen it. I've seen it from the outside in. How do you see this merging of pop culture and using that as a tool for education and all that in academics? In my career, there's been an openness that I have seen along the way where certain texts, and Harry Potter is a great example there, sort of a, a J.R.R. Tolkien is another example. Um, when you get this groundswell of interest in The Lord of the Rings, for example, uh, where there's a, a moment when critical mass <laughs> hits and you realize, hey, um, you're you're teaching a ways of knowing class, you're, you're teaching a, a general education class, you're teaching a, a in, in my case, for example, a, a, a senior capstone class where everyone needs to go off and do their own research and come back and and share what they've learned, where it's it's so valuable to have already interest, motivation, and this common vocabulary. I don't need to stop and tell even the even the students who didn't hadn't seen Star Wars before would say things like, I've never seen Star Wars. I don't know anything about it, except there's a character named Luke Skywalker and there's a character named Princess Leia and there's a character named Chewbacca. And they just keep going and going. They know something, you know, there's so so it's just by breathing the air you've you've um gotten some of this vocabulary and you, you can speak a, a common language. But also, um, so so I think it's very valuable that you can harness the the energy and the excitement um, there and and have a way to make these ideas cool. But I think it also works the other way around too. These franchises, these storytelling traditions, are successful because they are answering something in us that we want. Right? Mm. They are using building blocks of philosophy of religion of uh you know political thought of history and that's that's where i come from uh star trek and star wars have very different ideas of the way history unfolds and they invite us to think about history very differently but they both use history constantly in their storytelling well as someone who wants to teach the theory of history and teach people to think about history think about free will think about choice and consequences and all these sorts of things what a, what a gift that is but they're successful for a reason and so unpacking that is also this invitation to do a kind of um retro engineered 
uh, a cultural literacy test. And you can talk about all the building blocks that make up these stories that resonate with us. They're the same kinds of stories that resonated with major world cultures and storytelling traditions for a very, very long time. What are they and why do they matter? So you can kind of uh, take the cool factor too and work backwards and, and get to some really important questions and ask students to wrestle with some powerful issues and, and conversations and feel invited in because they are familiar with the entry point. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, big time. So speaking of history, Looking to the future, okay. If we step away from trapped that's, that's 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 not history, though. Yeah, but that's how. See, it now you that, broke the fourth a, wall. You're what, breaking the fourth wall. No, I'm no, I'm you. not. No, I'm not I'm breaking. Just, the I'm just saying wall. you are. I just I'm, okay. I mean, that's fine. But no, I'm I'm being serious here because Amy set me up for it, unpaid, I might add. But speaking of history, if we pivot then and look at the future now, stepping away from Star Trek and Star Wars because we're talking about that, and and you two are obviously deeply immersed in the in those and other pop culture franchises as a form of scholarship. There's a lot out right now streaming, for example, as well as on the on the big screen. It looks like people are going back to movies, which is neat. So there's a lot, there's a lot out right now in the science fiction and fantasy and explosively in whatever sci fantasy is, right? There's so much coming out. There's some brilliant high production stuff. And let's face it, there's some garbage. It's probably always been like that. But I'm curious, I'm curious if either of you have been been watching or following any of these things that have recently been produced. Um, I'll be so my bias. Um, uh, I've been watching with kind of mixed thoughts, but I'm enjoying it. I've been watching Foundation uh, because I I love Asimov. I've read a, a ton of his books, so approximately 8% of his output, but I've read a ton mm -hmm. of his books and uh, one of my daughters and I have been watching Foundation and you know, it's, it's very beautifully produced. It's well acted, it's cerebral. They're totally off the rails when it comes to the story, but it's, it's an, it, the, the story they're telling, I think is really interesting and really subtle. I'm curious if looking forward now, if there are any IPs or specific shows, if there's anything on the screen right now that isn't Trek or Star Wars that really has garnered your attention, whether, whether it's just for personal enjoyment and or maybe this is the next piece of scholarship we do, like this is the thing. What, what's on your radar? What, what's, what's intriguing you? Well, I mentioned Stranger Things uh, earlier, and um, I, you know, so it starts with personal enjoyment, right? Um, enjoying, and and I'm I was raised in the '80s. You know, I'm I was born in '76. I was raised in the '80s, and yeah. there's just so much nostalgia in that show, um, in big and in small ways, and so many wonderful Star Wars um, references, and also, I mean, just the kind of powers that the main character has are very sort of force sort of Jedi powers in, yeah. in many ways. And so, you know, in fact, I use that shorthand to explain what's going on to my husband who wanders into the room is like, well, how'd she do that? Well, she used the force, you know, it's fine. And so, you know, so, and, but that's yeah. something where I can see, I can see a lot of overlap uh, and, and, and with Harry Potter. I mean, everybody is drawing on those Harry Potter, especially the Harry Potter films, you know, because why wouldn't you, I mean, these are phenomenal in the classic sense of that term, films i mean i obviously like the books better but the mm -hmm. films you can't ignore if you're if you're trying to make blockbusters these days yeah. in the speculative fiction realm um so i would say that that uh, is something that i draw on and i see you know a future in but i will say i am still catching up with the trek because you know, mm -hmm. like you know i had some catching up to do and so i am i am in season five of deep space nine and just just loving it you know in Ooh. fact my, I was on a Zoom with my family the other day. My brother, a very intelligent person, was complaining about having caught some of The Bachelor or something and having been so offended by how awful it was, you know, and inane it was. And I was like, dude, and he doesn't, I don't, he doesn't do a lot of speculative stuff. Yeah. Um, again, being raised in my family, not, not a lot of them do. Um, but I was like, okay, listen, like, why would you even spend any time on that at all when there is so much 90s Star Trek to watch? <laughs> it's just so good. That's right. And there's so much that speaks to us even now um, about our current situation and and the mm -hmm. kind of struggles that we face. I'm yeah. I'm I'm struck by that every single 
night when I turn on a new episode of Deep Space Nine, I'm like, this really resonates today. Even more powerfully than in the 90s. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm a DS9 buff, so you're getting right into the, that's my favorite Jason's Jason's primary TNG. I'm DS9. Yeah, um, you're coming up right into like the meat and potatoes, the really good yeah. stuff. Right. Um, but you know, for another time, it would be interesting to talk about just because I want to be cognizant yeah. if the idea of faith in Star Trek because of your background, the introduction and DS9 and DS9. Yeah. You know, DS9 well, like the- really push the envelope with like they the never they really never and i promise amy we're getting to your answer i'm sorry bradway latest yeah. it's so worthwhile it's yeah sorry because emily brought up ds9 but like i mean obviously obviously there there are some real religious scholarship chops in the writing of ds9 mm-hmm. um and as is the case with a bunch of trek these days but especially in ds9 a number of jewish writers and directors and so like this very foundational concept of emissary right mm-hmm. that's a shliach tzibur, right that's that's i mean these are ancient concepts that are pan-religious okay so i'm going to stop there but yeah so so you know everybody come back for round two of this with amy and emily when we just dive into the religion of speculative fiction. oh uh, no yes, that please. might have been redundant but anyways I move on. <laughs> amy how about you I was just going to give a shout out to Una McCormick's Deep Space Nine books, including her most recent one, which looks like a Picard novel, but it's also a Deep Space Nine novel. Uh, Fantastic. Um, First of all, I totally second what Emily said about Stranger Things. That's where my mind first went. Um, I am interested in seeing if there is a resurgence of interest in the Hunger Games when mm-hmm. um, the prequel film comes out because the novel itself was was, was the really best strong. of the bunch. It was. It was an amazing yes. novel. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. So I'm hoping, and I also think for a whole lot of reasons in terms of the, the political conversation and such, I think it could resonate if it's given an opportunity. So, um, yeah. so I would love to see if that comes back um mm-hmm. because i think there's a lot there's a lot valuable in in ya literature uh and and i think there's um a lot to be said about what what collins did and is doing and i'm also uh interested in what's happening in popular writing as well as uh television and and film mm-hmm. so my other area of, of intense interest right now is dark academia as a subgenre um and how it's mm-hmm. it's channeling the gothic and there's a moment here oh, about yeah. higher education and there's a moment uh, the the way that dark academia novels are offering a critique of power structures right. and power abuse and and um uh, power inequities and yet tapping into something that's been around for quite some time in terms of the gothic right. sensibility and the out, outsider <laughs> mentality. And there's a lot of speculative fiction in quite a few of the YA and adult uh, dark academia works right now. And we're seeing that bleed into television and film mm-hmm. as well. And of course, there's some classic uh, films that would also fit the bill, like um, uh, Kill Your Darlings and Dead Poet Society, things yeah. like that. But uh, but I'm I'm very interested in that as a phenomenon, and I've had the fortune That's good fortune to write an essay for Emily for another book on that. But I'm, I'm pursuing Wait. some scholarship on that as well. So. Uh, I mean, no spoilers, but on dark academia. Yes, wow. her chapter is about dark academia okay. and uh-huh. and how it is at least in part kind of rooted in um, facets of the Harry Potter series. Um, and this is a book that is going to be a companion to our Potterversity podcast. So it's oh, that's be- cool. Published oh, by McFarland, cool. hopefully this fall. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yay for McFarland. I'm biased. So I'm just thinking, like, what would you title a chapter like that? Florida. Period. That's it. That's the whole title. Everyone will understand. <laughs> and it's got Harry Potter. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really okay. We will be watching for that. That sounds fascinating. I didn't realize I'm I'm really trying not to be sadistic or or flippant or just outright sagacious with this. I did not realize that dark academia pause is a literary like that, that that's an area i mean i've i knew there were a couple things that have come up like over the decades there have been like these unique things but i didn't i never thought it was so my girls are almost just just shy of 18 approaching 16 and i've seen a bunch of these books that in retrospect are dark academia 
I never thought about it like that. Um, that's cool. I'm going to have to think about that. That That's really fascinating. Amy's chapter will be for you then. Yeah, I, I would love to read that. Absolutely. I will keep my eyes open. Absolutely. I, I actually was had the good fortune to teach a graduate course on dark academia, and I I used that essay as part of nice. the architectural structure there to, to build the course. But you're right. If you look in retrospect, it, it yeah. can go back. Um, it can go back to the to the nineteenth uh, century easily. But just in the twentieth century, if you think of Shirley Jackson's "Hangs a Man," for example, or um, "Picnic at Hanging Rock," um, some works that are 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 really key in larger conversations um they they fit that bill but since 2016 there's been an explosion both That's in young adult and adult yeah. work there interesting to see how that also corresponds to discussions about the humanities and whether or not they're valuable and questions about higher education here and in uh the uk yeah. and elsewhere yeah. in the world um lots of of interesting phenomena there. And of course, also the experience of, um, of the pandemic too, uh, affecting, yeah, um, you know, the, uh, the, the desire for uh, a kind of um, idealized experience. So. Okay. That's just fascinating. Cool. Yeah. Thank you both so very much for spending some time with us this morning. This is so much fun. Oh, thank you for having us. It's been an absolute blast. Thank, thank you. And I think we already have topics for next time we can get you to join oh, us. Yeah, we would love to have you back, especially when the dark academia stuff comes out. That sounds way too close to home that we should definitely talk about that. Well, I mean, there's a reality, right? I mean, if if fiction represents society to any extent, then we can look to see what's coming out and what's popular and what's you know allowing us to to, to vicariously process these issues and navigate them. And and like you said, Amy, this 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 stuff has been coming a long time in the real world. And it's it's courtesy of the pandemic, it's kind of accelerated to a head now. So just fascinating to me that 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 this is a field of study, that this stuff is coming out. That's just neat. Thank you. I think there's a lot of parallels there between the explosion of, of dystopian works, yeah, exactly. um, you know, a good decade ago and and in yeah. earlier, and and what we're seeing now with dark academia. There's a parallel there to be drawn. And huge thanks to uh to Emily and uh, her co-editor, uh, Katie McDaniel, for for allowing me to write about that in their upcoming anthology. I'm I'm very, very excited about that book coming out. We are so too. So cool. <laughs> Both of you, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. I'm I'm still surprised that we were able to keep it to. <laughs> that 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 time that time segment we were and they were so gracious i think in all honesty they probably would have kept chatting with us and and um mm -hmm. you know i wow we have we definitely have to have them back well, because and to be continued so i'd sorry to interrupt but remember they are they did we we won't say anything but they are working on something yes uh and so when that comes out we will be having them back yes and we have you know ultimately we love meeting with authors and editors, and I can think we come at it from oh, kind yeah. of different angles. You're you're a writer and an author. Um, I'm not a published writer and author, but I write on occasion. I'm mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. I'm not an expert by any stretch, but I love hearing about the stories of how they put yeah their books together, and mm -hmm. you know, much like I did with you and with with others that we've been able to talk to but being able to compress star trek and star wars into a 40 some minute conversation i think is, is guinness material you know you it know? didn't it didn't occur to me but we really should feel very good about that for ourselves given yes. how long we will ramble on either of those topics without a focus often. for hours for, for hours, hours. Let's be honest. We can talk to we could talk to Jim about Star Trek Adventures for hours. The game, let alone Star oh. Trek, the franchise. Oh my god! Which yes. which you and I do. I mean, we will. You know, we will message each other when new episodes from the Trek first comes out, or when new episodes from the mm -hmm. Star mm -hmm. Wars, the Star Wars verse. Like Man. last night with Ahsoka. Yes. Of yes. of Are you watching? I'm going to go down and watch now. You just yeah. you just broke that. You just broke the fourth wall, because that was last night. And we are dropping this on October 2nd. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so point B, having but, a moment. 
but we but we uh, but we are um definitely um we constantly do that and even if we're watching Absolutely. even if we're watching something that's like a rerun you know yep. um like i'm due come november to watch my annual ds9 binge um oh, how, how much are you gonna watch oh i watch the whole thing i watch are all you, seven seasons are you really yeah i do it i do it every year or Good every two you. years I think I last year, I think I might have done it in late I 2021. I don't think yeah, I did that, it. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's true. You really hustled through those episodes. Oh, I, I, I love them. And in fact, um, They're so good. my TikTok algorithms now had um, the Dominion War battles and stuff oh, come up. Uh, you know, I can't with, tell you how many times I have just Googled to watch the Dominion War final battle. Yeah, when the Kardashians change sides, when you see they're not they're not Kardashians, and I take a Kardashian. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> wow. Wow, we've sunk to a new pop culture low. It's when, it's Re when rest Kim, assured, they Kim won't be on this show. Him and Courtney and Chloe change I sides. Don't and join even the know the. I don't even know. Don't join. Yeah. Okay. Well. Oh my God. <laughs> all, all five of our listeners know something new about me. And any but, shred of credibility we had is and, gone. Yep. Um, or wait, wouldn't it be like the the wah, 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 like the Price is Right? <gasps> oh, oh, I was I was thinking more like one of the trash droids, the trash can droid. Wah, 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 wah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, no, that's no, okay. Maybe not. Trent and I were actually talking about this. Uh, to digress for a moment, who who is your yes, son? For those who don't who, know, yes, my yeah. son and I were talking about who our favorite droid was. And I know this may oh. be more GM corner, but since we just were talking yeah. um, about Star Trek and Star Wars, mine's a deeper cut. Ever since I was a little kid, um, when I was probably three or four years old, I got an action figure of R2. Yeah. And then I want to say here in the Midwest, especially in the Milwaukee area, we celebrate St. Nick, which is something that is very regional to an area yeah, of Ohio true. and a very Milwaukee. So we get small little gifts on December 5th into the 6th, the night of the 5th. And I got a droid that has been my favorite droid for a long time. R5D4. Yeah. So the one that blew its its gasket wow. on the Lars farm. Um, Hilarious. And, uh, yes. And he, and I think he's made or an equivalent has made appearances oh absolutely yeah elsewhere yeah. but and trent and my son knew that trent knew that because his favorite is chopper from rebels yeah. and not yeah. from Ahsoka. i can so, see that have, you're a you're a person that loves i love droids to, yeah have you ever love. thought about like what your favorite droid would be from the star wars verse i i guess um i know it's a really that's a really hard question. Yeah, that's a, um, kind of an abstract like, like question. Jed, well, I mean, it's just there are so many good Jedi I could tell you like that. But droids, um I, I I'm don't hold me to this, but mm -hmm. sort of uh sort of K2SL. Oh, I like him from, and you know from what? From Rogue One. I love yes. that character. Oh and yeah. Alan Tudyk as the voice. Yeah, Alan right. Tudyk is Goodness, so talented. Yeah. Um, I I really just that's just such a neat droid to me. And mm -hmm. like like I even I even created a PC, which I don't think I ever got to play, uh, fashioned after it. Uh I I, I think K2SO uh yeah, I, I but there are so many. I I love droids. Oh and and I'm I really am I've who Yang from Ahsoka really grew up. Well, and you know, I mean, remember who plays him? David Tennant. That's right. And he's and and you really have to listen for it. Some of the lines are more obvious than others. I will say, in turn, like what they're doing, what they're doing with Hu Yang uh, on Ahsoka, what they've done because it's almost over as this drops. Um, I mean, it's really good. Like the movement, the it's amazing to me. Just to again, more of a like a production value issue of just how like lifelike they've made him yes. and yet how like old school i mean but that's what star wars has always done 
be better than anyone else, right? That that Lucas's whole thing was he didn't want a future. In fact, it's a long time ago in the galaxy far, far away, but he didn't want a future that was all shiny and yes. beautiful. He wanted a gritty, lived-in galaxy. And and that's, yeah. And so I don't know. I, I, I'm going to say K2SL for now. Yeah. I have other t- I have other comments on this but I think I think yeah. let's save it for a let's save it for an upcoming episode because okay um I I, I want to process Ahsoka more but oh, I'm going to yeah. leave this as a teaser for for mostly for you to remind me as yeah. I want to talk about how they portrayed the new republic government versus the empire versus the old republic government oh and yeah. I'll leave you with four words cuz I want to have this topic later more of the same So as we head over to the GM corner, um, there's a couple things that I've been reading. Um, one of them is the book Leadership and Star Trek. I'm uh, not familiar with it, but it sounds Yeah, I bet you are. Yeah, I got you know, Obviously, this is my co-host Jason and Aaron Peterson's book. Um, I had asked for and, and was very happy to get a signed copy from both of them. <laughs> Thank you. Um, very nice signatures. Aaron signed using his uh, D and D name. <laughs> he he was which, like, "Is that is this inappropriate? Is too too much?" I'm like, "I for think me, I would appreciate it." For, for me, for me, it's great. We won't repeat the name. No, no, but, but it's classic. Um, it's 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 classic. It's not it's great. obscene. It's just no, it's no, just no. funny. Yeah. But um, and so yes, yeah, so I got it, and I got it a couple weeks ago. Um, have been reading through it. I'm a little slower with it just because. I'm taking it chapter by chapter and the way it was written. It's very nice. Um, Can break where it they're in a, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, they're very, it's not an anthology or anything no. like that, but no. it's very nice where I can read a chapter and then digest. No, good. So, good. and you and I, you good and I talked that. a little, you and I talked a couple of weeks back about, mm-hmm. um, I, I like look at the aesthetics of a book and the way it's full justified, yeah. the font style. In fact, that there's a minor margin if people wanted to take notes. So, yeah. That and oh, um, is he pulling off from the desk? Oh, nothing, nothing that you've already oh. seen, but okay. Um, oh, maybe you haven't seen it, but um, Iron Sworn, not Iron Sworn oh. Star Forge, the original, the original Iron Sworn. Oh, and Iron Sworn Delve, which is kind oh, of the those are expansion. Okay. Yeah, and these are drive. These are drive-through RPG books. Okay. So, um, what's not what's interesting is I can't tell. No, these are glued. Um, they aren't. They aren't Smithsonian, but they are really well done. Nice. They're digest size, much like the um, Star Trek Captain's Log size book. Yeah, I, I really like, that. like the fact that, and I love a good big tome like like yeah, Paladin RPG. Right, that thing is gigantic. But um, having these digest size books um, makes it easier for me. You know, obviously when the weather was nicer, sitting outside mm-hmm. and reading. So between that yeah, and, um, you know, there are cards that come with or that can be used with the game. I've been doing a little bit of solo stuff, but I'll be quite honest with you. Not a lot. There's been a lot going on. And um, obviously you and I, we talked a couple of weeks back about needing to get back and doing some of our our star trek new voyages talk our trek Trek talks talks. yeah yeah Yeah. we're gonna get back in the saddle yep so we've been that's something that we've worked on as well how about you man i you know honestly brad as we record uh i don't have much on my desk per se um Mm -hmm. there are things that obviously we're both watching um but i will i will i will just say a bit about this i don't have any I don't have much to say about it, but um, but it's worth mentioning. So uh, I like I have to catch up actually with this week's. Um, I am intrigued by the uh, very short treks, animated non-canon YouTube videos Star Trek is putting out, and you and I haven't talked about these yet. Um, uh, I need, like I said, I need to catch up with this week's. Um, I appreciate very much that they just say look these are not like officially these are not canon these are fun um i i never watched the animated series as a kid yeah. 
Never. No. Oh, which that's a great point. Yeah. Okay. So, so right. So, so like, like I don't even think of it as Trek, although of course it is and it's canon, mm -hmm. but yeah. uh, like I never, I just, I never watched it and I, I don't actually care for the animation style. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know that's against the grain, but I just, that's seven. Oh, it's seventies animation. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And don't get me wrong. It's, 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 I mean, all of the animation back then when we were little looked a lot like that, but this was like more mm -hmm. stilted or rigid. Okay. That said, yeah. so, um, it reminded it, me like the old, the old Spider-Man cartoon. It had yeah. that very, oh, yeah. that yeah. very kind of ask that, that visual type of vibe. And so they've done, you know, the very short tracks are made very intentionally like that. I get a kick out of how they intentionally, uh, fade the soundtrack. So that it sounds like it's a real, and um, yes. and the other visual. I mean, it's amazing to me that they've mastered like how to age these things in appearance. That said, they're really funny. I thought, okay, I'll try, I'll try one or two to see if I if I like them, because um, it's Trek, and mm -hmm. you know they're they're dumb and they're amusing, and they're brief and they're they're well worth watching. So it's like mission accomplished. That's what they're supposed to be. But I really didn't think I'd like them. Yet more Trek. Exactly. Know? Yet more Trek. I mean, yep. just think about it. How many years did we go? I, we And we've said oh, this many times. Oh, my God. We, well, both Star Wars and Trek. How many yep. years did we go from just having to watch the movies until 87 when TNG came out? Yep. And TNG was syndicated, so some people didn't even have a chance to see it. They, you know. Now, granted. You have to, you know, you can get those on YouTube for the most part. You got to watch, yeah. Um, uh, what Paramount Plus? Track, Paramount Plus. Yeah. Although, did I see? Yeah, I thought I saw on CBS or someone they broadcast recently. Like, oh, some, so I think you're thinking, yeah. So for Star Trek Day back in September, they what is this? Um, I didn't watch in these venues, so they don't, I don't need to. Plus, we don't have cable, whatever that is. Uh, they broadcast i think season or what was it they were showing at least one or two episodes on youtube for free and then they were broadcasting it on actual cbs that's what i i remember seeing it on because we use youtube tv i saw it yeah that makes sense the mm -hmm. channel guide right so and so they it was a new rollout courtesy of you know the strike it's not like they were going to do a whole lot new it was a very very curated i actually watched that when i was in phoenix traveling for work uh on my laptop of of you know uh the the 20 some minute star trek day thing and it was cute right but um it's what they could do yeah and i tried to get my i tried to get my wife to watch it because i told her that because in the past she's seen Anson Mount as Christopher Pike, and yeah. obviously he had, that's a good looking man. He's a good looking so, man. Yeah. So I tried to I tried to convince her that it would be worth watching, but even with a good looking man, she wasn't gonna buy it. She didn't want to hit it. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Now I am excited for the newly announced Star Trek series Dr. Flox's Medventures. I I imagine that's <laughs> going to be akin to Benny Hill in the future. <laughs> There's a running joke where I I talk about the new series that's coming out with people, and it's about Doctor Flax. And don't get me wrong, I Wait, love don't toy with John, me. Yeah, I love John Bellisley. He's phenomenal, and he's, he's so been, funny, and he's so funny. He he's been out there, oh my you know, god, yeah. promoting the cause for the Writers yep. and Actors Guild mm -hmm. strikes. Mm -hmm. Um, just a class act guy from, from uh, everything uh, i've seen just to transition for a sec uh talk about mm -hmm. a class act michelle heard oh i yes. mean what a leader did i read that her and jerry ryan um just got elected oh is that what that was yeah i'm i'm they've been really active real time, on the lines. real time um, so everybody, if you're still with us, Brad's online, but he's not buying anything. He's looking. No, I'm not buying up. anything. I'll have to look it up. But I thought I saw something about that. But I, you know, at this point, it's been you a might couple be right. Weeks since, um, so, there was stuff you know. coming out. I know. I mean, Michelle Heard is. I don't know all the all the all the lingo and the roles, but like, but she's she's like in leadership. I mean, she's been exceptionally active. Um, but again, kind of a weird place to close. Who? I, 
Go back. 20 I will years. say I used to have, I I'll be honest with you. I, I had kind of a younger man uh, crush on her because she spent a lot of time on law and order. Say and never, uh, which one? I can't remember. It was, I, I want to say I, I it never wasn't saw SVU. That one. I no, think it, it was the original. It was, I think the no, original no. law and order. Really? I just well, what, what, whatever. Gonna... It's, yeah, I was just going to, speaking of original though, who ever saw Fran Drescher as a union leader? Oh, I could. Really? I, that's just amazing oh, I could. to me. When you, when you see her um, being interviewed, I mean, obviously yeah. the nanny, she, she it's played up the yeah. kind of the higher pitched yep. East coast accent type of thing. Um, and Michelle Hurd was on Law and Order SVU from 99 to 2001. Um, oh. But when you get Fran Drescher out of that character and you listen to her, um, she's an activist. Um, really? yeah. If I recall for LGBTQ causes, um, she is a very well-spoken. I've seen her on some talk shows in the past. Um, and I used to like years ago, I used to like watching Ellen when I had the opportunity and I want to believe it was on Ellen where she was talking about this, but oh, I could okay. see her because she, she looks, and I know there was some challenges with her being overseas for something when it was going on and she took a little bit of flack, but um, I could see her being tough as nails with that kind of stuff, just yeah, because well, take the, is. take the nanny, take the nanny character out. Um, very, very, um, very bright, very and driven tough. individual. Yeah, Michelle Hurd played Monique Jeffries, Detective Jeffries. Man, so, we, I mean, my wife and I, we, God, we watched so much Law and Order, and then especially, you know, especially SVU. Um, yeah, man, I'm gonna have to go back and look that up. Oh well. Anyways, we're clearly drifting. Um, though it's 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 probably not a bad thing because by this point, no one's listening. Anyways, it's um. Boy, I know, I know we say this all the time, guys, uh, but, you know, just to put things into context as we wrap it up here, this is already episode 102. It's October. We are scheduled all the way to the end of the year now. Uh, we are, we are so pleased with the interviews we're bringing you, uh, in the coming months and then just as a reminder uh come the quote-unquote holiday season as december rolls around uh brad and i are going to uh maintain our our annual winter habit of really directly addressing mental health uh and mental health uh and the rpg and rpg adjacent communities so um stay tuned and as always be well stay well We'll see you in a couple of weeks.